And God bless you. Amen. It's always good to uh, to be in church. Amen. I um I I learned very early after being saved the the priority you have to make on being in church to stay saved and to stay in the right frame of mind. Can't deal with these things. <laughs> Amen. If you would, I uh, like if you could turn with me in the Bible to the book of Joshua. Chapter 10, and uh, we'll begin in verse 12. And while you're finding that, I want to give honor to um, our pastor. I am so glad to have a man of God that is a, a man of God. Amen. So good to have a pastor in our lives. I don't believe you can be saved without having a pastor in your life. Amen. I give honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Joshua chapter 10 and verse 12. Got it, say amen. Amen. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Amen. And I want to, um, to speak to you tonight from this thought, atmosphere controllers. Amen. Atmosphere Controllers, One more time, would you help me? Would you lift your, your voice toward heaven? In the name of Jesus, we ask you, Lord, tonight, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, speak to us, Lord, minister to our souls. You know what we need to hear tonight, Lord God. You know what we're in need of. We've come to feast, Lord, on your word, and we pray you would minister to our souls this evening. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Our surroundings have the ability to influence everything that we do. The environments that we live in either inspire us or they expire us. They're either facilitating our success or they are withholding our success. What we allow ourselves to live in. Sister Sarah, it's either energizing us or it's, it's draining us. It's either relaxing us or we're being stressed out by it. But the truth that the enemy would have us be ignorant of is the reality that although we are what we are surrounded by has the potential to affect us, we really have a lot of control over the atmosphere that we live in. My wife is from Texas, and she will swear to you that everything that comes from Texas is bigger and better. I have, uh, oh Lord, have mercy, we got too many witnesses in the house. I have tried to reassure her that I took the very best thing that Texas had to offer and ran off with her. So Texas is not near what it used to be, but she has managed to bring this native Texan idea into our marriage that 
the optimal temperature inside of your home should always be 78 degrees. And I'm a, a hot-natured individual. So this has caused me to be just a bit defiant to this mindset. To be frank with you this evening, I absolutely hate the heat. Eddie says that I can uh, look at the sun and just start sweating. And we live in a two-story house, and as you know, heat rises. So that means that it's even hotter in our room on the second floor. But one of God's greatest gifts to the 20th century, it was not the airplane or the automobile. It was the thermostat. Come on, somebody. Because the thermostat enables me to control the climate that I am living in. Because of that thermostat, if, if you don't like the environment you live in, you're able to do something about it. So when I get home, I go straight to the panel on the wall in our room, much to my wife's chagrin, and I just turn that baby down about 10 degrees till it's nice and comfortable, till my wife sees the, uh, the electric bill the next month. But I just believe that it's, if it's in my power to do something about a situation that's wrong, I should. And it's never right to be in a house that's set to 78 degrees. But in all, in all seriousness, a lot of times we live in an environment not because we have to. We just choose not to do anything about it. And I started to look at this from a spiritual perspective because as true as this principle is in our own physical world, I believe it's true even more so in the spiritual world. We walk out into our world and it's a mess out there. And the mindset is that we just have to, to go along to get along and the reality is that's not what I read at all in my Bible. We put up with way more from the devil than we really have to. There are too many things that come into our lives unwelcomed and yet unchallenged. Brother McClary uh, preached an awesome word last week about serving by challenging. And there are some things that really have no business hanging around a child of God. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There is this battle that is going on in our world. And the effects of this war in the spiritual realm have begun manifesting themselves into our natural world, and it's reverberating you can feel it reverberating through our society through our culture but if the church would ever realize its potential and begin to really exercise the power that we have been given we can take back what the enemy has stolen away you don't have to walk onto your job or into your school with your head hung down God did not call you to cower down in a corner licking your wounds. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means 
hurt you. God put his spirit on the inside of you, not just to save you, not just to comfort you, not just to guide you, but to give you the power to rearrange Satan's boundaries for him. You don't have to allow the devil to invade and manipulate your environment. You have the authority in Jesus' name to move him out of where you live. I remember a while ago um, after I got saved and I was working at this particular place and every morning I would get there and once all the, the people that worked there got there, I noticed that the atmosphere just kind of shifted. It was really heavy there and you could feel the tension in the air and it was a really... Uh, toxic environment and to be quite honest with you um, I'd never seen anything to that extent before but uh, I was kind of new on the job and when you're new you don't bring up a lot of things to begin with you try to make sure you're giving a good impression and not ruffling any feathers and so I kind of sat back for several weeks and I just kind of observed everything that was going on but it it finally started to take a toll on me. See, if you allow yourself just to hang out in a place that doesn't agree with the Holy Ghost inside of you, sooner or later, it will begin to wear you down. The Bible says that every day that Lot lived in Sodom, his righteous soul was being vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, even though he was trying to live right, even though he was trying to set a good example, the environment that he lived in, it began to literally wear him down. The book of Daniel says that in the last days, one of Satan's tactics will be to wear out the saints. But I had been given a key to the building, and I understood what I had on the inside of me. So I decided that I would just get there a little earlier than everybody else. And I would come and I would just pray over the building before anyone else got there. So the next morning, uh, I brought the anointing oil. And I began to walk through that building. And I was anointing every uh, door pass and everything in the place. And I, I just began to, to bind the spirits that were causing disruption in that place and causing the heaviness and I started to loose those spirits that I knew were necessary to be in that place I was occupying and in a matter of moments something began to shift in the atmosphere in the following days I, I watched in amazement as attitudes began to change and people became more tolerable of one another and one of the guys, even in the days following, wound up going to church with me, got the Holy Ghost, got baptized. And, uh, but I, I realized that nothing was going to change until somebody with the Spirit of God on the inside of them decided that enough was enough. And in the book of Joshua, we read the story of the children of Israel, and they're going on this conquest to take back the territory that was already rightfully theirs. It was the territory that God had given to their ancestors years before. In Joshua, he was leading the Israelites in a battle against the Amorites, and the day had been long, and they were exhausted, as you can imagine. But it was getting later, and, and nighttime was closing in, and Joshua knew 
that until this point, this was enemy territory. If it got dark, the enemy knew how to navigate the terrain better than they did. Sometimes we're surprised when the devil pulls a, a slick one, but we've got to understand he's been doing this a very long time. He's not stupid. He knows exactly what he's doing. And Joshua knew that if he did not find a way to affect his environment, that there was a great chance that his environment would begin to affect him. And so Joshua, he began to, to boldly speak out into the atmosphere. He did something that no man had ever done before. And he commanded that the sun and, and the moon would stop in their rotation to push back the darkness and postpone the night from coming in. And, and God honored Joshua's request. Imagine that. For 24 hours, the sun, it stood still up in the sky, and Israel won the battle that day, all because God caused the atmosphere to shift in their favor at the request of one man. One man without the Holy Ghost, I might add. If one man without the Holy Ghost on a mission can make up in his mind that he has some authority about him because of who's behind them, Imagine what one man or woman of God with the Holy Ghost on the inside of them can do when they speak out into the atmosphere. There is something very powerful about you. The Bible says that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I realize that in our day, the giants that we face and the battles that we fight are much different and I just don't believe that the principle is any different. The principle remains the same. We are fighting a battle where it is critical that we control the atmosphere surrounding us. And the way that we do it is through consecrating ourselves. We must pray. There may have been a day and age back in the, in the past when you could get by with just a little prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. God is great, God is good, but I don't believe that time is now. We are fighting a spiritual, we must fast. We must know this word. It's not enough just to come into church on Sunday, Wednesday, Monday, whatever way you want to come in and, and just hear a message and and go home and let it go through. We've got to open this thing in our house. We have to open it in front of our kids. We have to rehearse it to them when we wake up and when we lie down. There's a culture out there that is trying to counter everything that this book says. We're fighting a spiritual battle that carnal people cannot win. 2 Corinthians 10.3 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Notice what Paul is saying. 
First, he's talking about how we have to be consecrated because this is a, a spiritual battle. And he's telling you that the weapons they use in the world are not going to work. He's telling us we can't be carnal. But then he almost shifts a little bit. Because consecration doesn't just come through prayer and fasting and studying the word. We can't do the one and, and leave the other undone. That's part of the battle, but he's talking about the first part of the battle. The first battle we fight, it's in our mind. It's hard to throw something out the front door when you're leaving the back door open to it. We've got to be careful what we're allowing into our homes and, and into our heads through different types of media. Uh-oh. Because we can put ourselves at a disadvantage in battle by what we willingly allowed in. What we are consuming, it matters. David said in Psalm 101.3, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Jesus taught that your eye is a lamp to the body. It's a window to your soul. What you're allowing in through your mind, through your eyes, it matters. What we watch, it matters. A few Years ago, one of my coworkers came to me, and she asked me if I would pray for her daughter. And uh, she said that she was having night terrors and told me that it had gotten so bad that, among other things, she was also dealing with, they were having to take her to counseling. And this was a, a really young girl. She was, as I recall, six or, or seven years old. And several weeks went by, and it wasn't getting any better, and so she came to me, and she asked, she said, do you know if there's something that maybe I can do? And the Holy Ghost put the question in my mind to ask her, what are you guys watching at home? What are you allowing to come over the airwaves and into your home thinking that it's not going to matter? And come to find out, they'd been watching horror movies inside the house while their kids were sleeping, and they never considered what they might be inviting in. See, sometimes we wonder why we're feeling so attacked in our minds. And we don't realize that there are some things that we have been welcoming into our lives that are affecting the spiritual climate that we live in. Listen, we don't have to accept everything that the culture throws in our direction. It's okay for us to be different. I don't have cable in my home for a reason. It's okay to be, even the most, think about the most successful people in the world. And I'm not preaching against cable TV and telling you you don't, whatever, that's between you and, and God and our pastor. And, but think about the most successful people in the secular world. And most of the time, the people in the world would even call them different. People like LeBron James, he's, he's different. Elon Musk, the creator of Tesla, that's a different cat. But he's very, very wealthy and very successful at what he does. But it's okay to be different. Being different is what gives us our power. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a peculiar people you're different people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light 
we are different. Thank God that we are different. Thank God we look different. Thank God we act different. Thank God we respond different. Before Jesus would make his last return to Jerusalem prior to Calvary, he he brought his disciples to this place called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was the place that every Jewish mother would have forbidden her children from ever visiting. You know, there were some places when you were younger and growing up that mama used to say, if I catch you hanging out there, I'm going to break my foot off in your butt. And I don't have that time to go into to all that had to do with Caesarea Philippi, but if you research the location, you can read about all the wicked things that happened there at that place. And during this particular time, it was the site where the Greek god Pan was worshipped. And the ancient Greeks that settled in that area, they believed that the gates to the cave at Caesarea Philippi were the literal gates to the underworld. So when Jesus stood to address his disciples here, he was standing at what their culture literally called the gates of hell. And Jesus brings his disciples to this location of all places. And he begins to ask them the question, who do men say that I am? Because the key to understanding the authority that you have is first to understand really who the God is that you serve. This is the place where Peter would receive the revelation of who Jesus was. Matthew 16 and verse 17, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Thank God we've got the key to salvation that we can open up the doors of heaven. Then he said, and whatsoever you will bind, you'll loose on earth. You're bound on earth, you will be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you will loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus said, upon this rock, upon the revelation of who he was, that he was going to build his church. Thank God for the apostolic church. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus took them to the region where the culture of that region called the, the gates of hell to illustrate to his disciples that even the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. The most wicked force in the entire world. Stands no chance against the church. I I realize that most of Christianity has uh, this idea that the church is always supposed to be on the defensive side. And we need to be timid and just take what's thrown in our direction. But that's not what the Bible says. I think as culture and time has kind of settled in, we've, we've shifted some of the stances on what the Bible really, really tells us to do. The last time that I checked, gates were built for defense. Gates keep what's on the inside in and what's on the outside out. Which tells me that the church is an offensive force 
that has the power to engage with the enemy and win. Hell is putting up gates for a reason. They'll swing them wide open for anybody that wants to go there. That ain't the reason the gates are there. Jesus said whatever the church would bind on earth, it would be bound in heaven. And whatever we would loose on earth, it would be loosed in heaven. Are you tired of the atmosphere that you live in? It's time to start binding and loosing and begin operating in the authority that Jesus has given to the church. I thought this past Sunday was amazing. When service started, I don't, I don't know if you were like me, but I was here and it was very heavy. Brother Justin alluded to it when he came to the pulpit. It was a heavy feeling, but as soon as the church decided that we were going to press, you notice something in the atmosphere began to shift. The psalmist said that he inhabits the praises of his people. When the church prays, when the church worships, we have the ability to change the atmosphere in our homes, on our jobs, in our community. I'm closing if you could stand with me. I, I remember uh, last year we got to the, the campgrounds uh, for youth camp and I walked into the staff dorms, and we had been there for a, a retreat the weekend before, but I walked into the staff dorms, and it was so hot. Hey, I told you how much I hate the heat. And I walked over to this old-school thermostat that was on the wall in the common area, and I just tried to, to adjust the temperature a little bit, get some relief, but the air would not kick on. We slept in that for like two nights. It was horrible. The thermostat was not working. The, there was a thermometer. It was an old school one. So there was a thermometer on the inside that would tell you what the temperature was. But the ther thermostat, the thermometer itself was not capable of adjusting the temperature in the room. You see, when God fills you with the Holy Ghost... You have to decide whether you're going to be a Holy Ghost thermometer or a Holy Ghost thermostat. Some people can walk into a room and like that thermometer, they can tell you what the climate is. They can tell you how it feels to be there. They can tell you how depressed it makes them feel. Tell you how happy and excited maybe they are to be there. They benefit from the atmosphere when it's moving, but... Won't do anything to get it there. They allow the atmosphere to drain them with the spirit of heaviness is resting, but they won't do anything to shift it. But I believe there are others, and I, and I do believe it's time. I think there are people rising up that are not content with just being able to tell you what their environment is like. made up in their mind they're going to control the atmosphere that they live in. College campuses all over the world where the climate is wrong, but we've got Holy Ghost-filled professors in the midst. Hospital rooms that rely on medical 
medicine to do its thing, but we've got Holy Ghost-filled doctors and nurses in the room. I heard um, Brother Bernard just a couple weeks ago. He's our, our general superintendent of the UPC, and he was speaking about the challenges that we face in 2022. And he said, we have to realize that with every challenge that we're faced with, it's also a great opportunity. Our challenges present opportunities. The darker that the world becomes, the brighter the light of the church is going to shine, like a city set on a hill that can't be hid. He said, you know, he said there's something about the churches that just blend in with the culture and just go along to get along and change their, their everything just to kind of match and, and, and invite people in. He said they're going to lose their relevance because nobody wants something they can get on the outside. He said, and then you have some churches that believe in the Bible but don't necessarily preach the truth. They don't have the Holy Ghost. And when you're faced with a culture that does not honor the Word of God, you can't use the Word of God to reach them. And he said, this puts the apostolic church at a great advantage because we, be, we still believe that these signs shall follow them that believe. We're not people that are following the signs. The signs follow us. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents by accident, I'm sure. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. When you work a miracle in their midst by the authority of the Holy Ghost inside of you, it's going to open some eyes and then you can take them to where that power comes from. But we are at a great advantage. We are at a, a very great, I think it's time to start controlling the atmosphere that we live in. And I wonder tonight if you could lift your hands toward heaven as we close tonight and just ask God. I need you to help me. I know sometimes doubt creeps in. That's human. Sometimes our faith gets a little bit crippled. But I want us to ask God, would you help me just to realize what I have on the inside of me? And would you help us to begin to operate in the authority that you've given us? God, our world needs us right now more than ever. They need the church. 